Well, we welcome you to the fourth and the final week of our sermon series called Messy Christmas. If you would, say it with me, Messy Christmas. And I think some of you, I know some of you are wondering why I am wearing uh, this sweater, uh, in addition to just being awesome, uh, which it really is. It was also a gift from my mom, all right? So don't laugh, all right? Actually, she sent it to me this week, and she's been with us the last couple of weeks, and she said, if you're going to preach a message on messy Christmas, you better have a messy, ugly sweater. And so that's what I have, a messy, ugly sweater for this messy, ugly Christmas, and thanks so much to my mom. Well, what we're doing in this sermon series is we're investigating some of the messes in our lives. What the world tells us is that this is the happiest time of the year. Unfortunately, what many of us have realized is it's often the messiest. Broken relationships, lost opportunities, loved ones who passed away, financial limitations, you name it, messy Christmas. And I think a lot of us right now, if we were being really honest, we would say, yeah, my life's a whole lot more messy than it is merry right now. The good news is that we have a God who gets it. We have a God who understands our messes. In fact, our our, uh, key thought for the series, uh, if you're taking notes, if you haven't written it down already, it, it says this, Jesus did not come in spite of our messes. Jesus came because of our messes. Jesus did not come in spite of our messes. He didn't come to put up with our messes. He came because of our messes. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 is our key verse for the series, and it says this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name. Say it with me. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus. Joshua, Yeshua, the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. We have a God who understands our messes. We have a God who understands our problems. And we are grateful to go to that God this morning. Uh, Today we close our series with a sermon that I've entitled, Messy People. Messy People. Uh, What I learned is that there are really two kinds of people in the world, and so I'm going to ask you for audience participation to figure out which one uh, of the uh, two you are. Uh, The first is the type of people that are very clean and tidy. Very clean and tidy. How many people say, I am clean, I am tidy, I'm very clean? Come on, there's more people than that. Come on, clean and tidy. There you go. Very good. Very good. Uh, Second type of people is the type of people who are married to a neat freak, all right? How many people say, I'm married to a neat freak? This gentleman right down here, he is both. I'm married to a neat freak. Uh, my wife in my relationship uh, is the clean and the tidy one, okay? I, I am the normal one, all right? So uh, uh, just so we get that straight. But my wife likes it very clean and tidy. If I spill something on the floor, I'll wipe it out uh, sometimes. But sometimes I won't. If my wife spills something on the floor, she'll wipe it up, she'll mop it up, she'll scrub it up, she'll dry it up, and she'll wax it up. And then she'll realize that all the other spots on the floor aren't as nice as what she just did. So she'll mop, wipe, scrub, wax, and clean all the other spots on the floor just so they all look so nice, right? Anyone out there like that? 
Anyone out there like that, praise be to God, because it's just in her genes. It's just how she is. I have uh, one job at the house, and I am to do the dishes. And I'm a pretty mean uh, dish person. Uh, if I do say so myself, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty serious at the dishes, and, and I think I do a pretty good job. But every now and then, I'll actually sneak back down, and, and what will happen is my wife will have waited until I've left, and she'll actually redo the dishes. Okay? You should actually redo the dishes. She, she, well, well, you missed a spot or you missed these 60 spots, so I'll just, I, I just go ahead and do them again. Actually, this last week we hit a new low because instead of me doing the dishes, uh, she had Lucas do the dishes. All right? And, and, and so I come upstairs and, and she's like, hey, isn't Lucas doing such a good job with this? He's doing such a good job. And I look over and he's not even using water. All right, he's he not even using water. Like he, he, he doesn't even understand uh, how to do the dishes. Uh, I actually, uh, 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 10 years ago now, about 10 years ago now, my roommates uh, and I, uh, actually I, I uh, knew that I was getting ready to date Simone and they actually staged a real live intervention uh, on um, her behalf. And, and so they went to her and they said, he's going to drive you crazy. He's going to drive you wild. Do not date this person. Do not marry this person because his mess is going to mess you up. It's going to make you crazy. And if my wife could say one thing to all you ladies today, it would be this. Listen to his roommates. All right? <laughs> Listen to his roommates. But it's too late. I actually had a, uh, uh, a uh, entrance into the wedding vow for better or for worse uh, in cleanliness and in a mess, right? So it's too late. She's stuck with me. She is stuck with this messy person. Well, today we are going to look at some messy people. And it's a messy people called the shepherds who are out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night messy people. And I think what we're going to discover is as we look at their story, we're going to see what God has to say to them. Because I really honestly believe if we will embrace it, if we will internalize it, it will change our lives forever. Let's look at the story beginning in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse, uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the, say it with me, in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord, say it with me, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and say it with me, they were terrified. They were terrified. Why were they terrified? Well, if that was you, and you were in a field all by yourself, and it was pitch dark, and then all of a sudden the glory of the Lord showed around you, that'd be pretty crazy, right? That'd be pretty terrifying. And yet, I would submit this. There's actually a deeper, more intimate reason about why they were scared. And I think for many of us, we might find ourselves in the same spot as they were as well. What are they? Three things. We'll look at them this morning. Uh, number one, if you're taking notes, uh, is a sense of shame. It's a sense of shame. You say, why were shepherds so ashamed? Shepherds were the absolute lowest of society. They were the lowest of the low. In fact, if you had your murderers, you had your thieves, and then right above, right above the line of social acceptability, you had the shepherds. They were illiterate, they were unclean, they were unworthy, they were unclean. 
Some people uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, what they did was they actually had the slaves and the servants who uh, took care of the sheep. And if you didn't have a slave or a servant, then you would make your youngest son take care of the sheep. Uh, That's why in the story uh, of King David, when they called King David, who was out with the sheep? It was David watching the sheep. And his parents are just, and his brothers, they're, just, they're, they're, they're amazed that they're calling David. Why would you call him? We didn't even think to call him. He's just a shepherd. He's out with the sheep. Did I mention to you that they smelled, right? Has anybody ever smelled a sheep, right? Every year back in my home church growing up, we had a live nativity scene. And we actually, uh, every year, my brother and I were the shepherds. And so every year, I couldn't understand this because I was little, but every year, my parents and I would go out and we would do the shepherds and and they would say, hey, Chris and Andrew, you guys go sit over here. We're going to go over here to the shepherds, right? And and every year we're like, hey, is it our turn to see Jesus? Can we see Jesus? Is it our turn to see Jesus? And they're like, just wait a minute. Uh, The the angel's putting their gas mask on. Just wait a minute. And they're going to come. They're going to come see you, right? The the, the shepherds were messy. They were smelly. They were unclean. And I wonder if there's not some of you here today uh, that are in a similar sense of shame. I wonder if there's some of you not here today who uh, feel like you're unclean, who feel like a mess, who uh, feel like if God knows or if people know that they wouldn't really like me because if people knew me, they wouldn't really like me. It's a sense of shame. It's a sense of uncleanness, a sense of shame. Uh, Number two, if you're taking notes, is this. It's a sense of failure, a sense of failure. And, And I don't know how this looks like for you, For so often, for so many of us, we find ourselves comparing ourselves to others. We find ourselves comparing ourselves to others. And we wish that we could do just like someone else did or just like someone else did. And if we could could just achieve to that level, then we would be happy. Man, I don't know what this looks like for you. Maybe for you, you're like me, and you literally don't know how to hammer in a nail, right? Like, like, like Like you need an instruction manual, it just, to, just to hammer in the nail, right? And you've got this friend that's like, uh, that's like he's built an addition to his house on the weekend, right? He's like, oh, yeah, no, no big deal. I'm just going to go ahead and do this on a Saturday. No big deal. Or, or maybe you're like, uh, 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 you're like me and my, my car is leaking coolant. It's just leaking all over the place. And so I just pour more coolant in it. And as I don't know what to do with it, and so it's just a mess. And, and maybe you've got this friend who's like, well, yeah, you know, I was going to change the engine oil. But, you know, one thing led to the next. And I just went ahead and rebuilt the engine. All right. I mean, it, no big deal. Like, like bare hands uh, with a screwdriver, you know. But I, I just went ahead and did that. And, and you just feel ashamed. You just feel like a failure. Uh, Women, I don't know about you. Uh, Maybe for you, you, you've got this woman uh, who is super mom, and and her house is amazing, and her her kids are amazing, and her pet gerbil is amazing, right? And, 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 And you're like, I don't even know how she does it. I don't know how she, I, I, I haven't showered in three days. I don't even know where the kids are. I'm pretty sure that the, uh, pretty sure that the dog ate the gerbil uh, two weeks ago, but I'm not really fully confident, uh, pretty sure. And you just feel like a failure. You feel like 
a mess. Unclean, illiterate, a mess. That's how these shepherds felt. Unclean, illiterate, unable to do anything of their own. In fact, because they didn't have any of their skills, uh, when you were born a shepherd, you would die a shepherd with no hope in between. A sense of failure. Uh, a sense of rejection, a sense of failure, a sense of, 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 uh, uh, of shame. And then third and finally, a sense of rejection. A sense of rejection. And this is really the big one because uh, shepherds were the lowest of society. They were the ones who daughters wouldn't be allowed to marry a shepherd because their dads wouldn't allow them to, wouldn't allow them to marry them. Uh, they, they honestly, they felt so shamed and, and so uh, uh, unable, and they felt like they couldn't read, and they couldn't write, and they're like, well, uh, applying for a job, right? And then all of a sudden, they get the email, don't bother, don't reapply, don't call us, we'll call you, right? That sort of thing. And I don't know about you, but if you feel that sense of shame, if you feel that sense of shame, of rejection, of failure, I don't know about you, but what I'm going to encourage you to do today is to name the pain. Name the pain. If you're feeling a sense of pain, of shame, of failure, of rejection, name the pain. Name the pain. For some of you, you've got a financial mess. And you've gone all through your life, and now you're in the holiday season, and you just have got to figure it out but no, ra- no raise, no promotion. For some of you, no job. And, you, and your kids are having to do without this Christmas season. For the others of you, this is a, a season of the year where you are reminded that you're alone again. Alone again. And you think to yourself, all of your other family, all of your other friends are celebrating with their families. And you're alone again. And you wonder to yourself, how, does, how, does, how, how did God do this to me? What do I deserve? What don't I get? And you feel alone and rejected. Maybe for you, you're rejected by a spouse, a husband that doesn't love you, a wife who's found something better. And you're going through life and your marriage is literally hanging on by a thread. And you feel a sense of rejection. For others of you, you're a single parent. You're working two, three jobs, trying to make ends meet. But the further you get behind, the, 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 the harder it is to go. And you're like, God, I cannot go any longer. I just can't do it anymore. For some of you, everything looks normal on the outside. But the inside, you're suffering from rejection of a parent, a dad who left you. A mom who always abused you, a mom who always criticized you, an adult who always abused you, always took advantage of you, and you can't understand it, and you can't make it go away, and you're just so confused. God, why would you allow that to happen? Why would you allow that to take place? Why did they do that to me? They were supposed to love me, but that's what they did, a sense of rejection, a sense of shame, and a sense of failure. Name the pain. Name the pain. Because I think what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives is he wants to clean us up. He wants to set us free. He wants to clean up our messes. But the only way he can do that is if you and I will be honest with ourselves. We'll be honest 
with each other. Name the pain. Uh, what I'm going to do with our uh, remaining time is I'm going to ask God to speak to us today. And we're going to look at two really good pieces uh, of news today. Uh, two pieces of good news that first were proclaimed to the shepherds 2,000 years ago. But the same news is present and able to change our lives today. What are they? Let's take a look at them together. First, if you're taking notes, is this. The shepherd said, the, the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The glory of the Lord is, shown, is shining around. God has shown up. The angels are, are the, the shepherds are terrified, but the angel of the Lord says this in, in verse uh, 10. But the angel said to them, say it with me, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What's the shepherd say? What's the angel say? Do not be afraid. Say that with me. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Of what? Of angels, sure. But even deeper, of the shame, of the failure, of the rejection, of the sin, of the mess that is your life. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I think as a pastor, I've seen so many times where so many of us have a wrong perception of God. We have this perception of God as, as some vindictive being up on a cloud, just, just with a lightning bolt in his hand, waiting for whom he might strike, right? And so lightning bolt for you and lightning bolt for you. And oh, oh, double blessing, double lightning bolt for you because you deserve it, Right? It's a lot like my son, Lucas. Uh, Lucas has one real job in addition to doing the dishes, but he has his new job, but one uh, original job, and that was to let the dog out and to let the dog back in. Let the dog out and let the dog back in. Now, our dog, Fofa, which I know is a really weird name. It's Portuguese, right? So, and it means... Uh, something. So anyway, uh, yeah, so our dog Fofa will sometimes wander the neighborhoods, right? And, and she'll wander the neighborhood. She'll come back after a few hours or days or whatever, and, and she'll come back in. And, and often what happens is that she was pure white fur when she left. And when she came in, she is covered in mud. I believe it's mud, don't tell me it's otherwise, all right? <laughs> Don't tell me it's otherwise, all right? Covered in brown streaks from top to bottom, from head to tail, covered in these brown streaks. And, and so what she'll do is she'll, she'll like some convoluted genetic instinct that's gone haywire. She'll, she'll, she'll find this, this mud or whatever, and she'll just she'll roll her face in it. And she rolls her face in it back and forth and back and forth, and then she'll come back home, right? And it's so exciting to all of us who get to take care of her. Uh, one time after she did this, uh, Lucas just threw his hands up in the air and he said, Mom, Dad, that's it. We've got to get a new Fofa, right? <laughs> We've got to get a new, this one is used, this one is dirty. I've got to get a new Fofa. And I think that's sometimes how we view God. We think he's up in heaven, lightning bolts in hand, ready to strike whenever the possibility comes. And then when, he, when we find ourselves in that situation, he's like, well, I, I got to get a new Andrew. I got to get a new Tim. I got to get a new Sue. I got to get a new Kathy because you guys are done. You're used. You're dirty. I'm done. I'm on to something else. 
That's not how God works. <laughs> That's not how God works. Instead, he says this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of your shame, of your failure, of your rejection, of the mess that is your life. Do not be afraid. Because God wants to do an incredible work in us, but he has to break through the fear. He has to break through the doubt. He has to break through the worry. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then the second news is this, and it gets even better because the second news is this. Today, salvation is come. Today, salvation is come. Uh, uh, the angel shows up and say, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And here it is. Today, everyone say that with me. Today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is, say it with me, he is the Messiah. He is the Lord, okay? He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He says today, today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year, not someday. Today, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ, and he is the Lord. You know, what strikes me in this setting is that the shepherds never wondered why they needed saving. They didn't look around and say, oh, did you guys know you need saving? I, I, I didn't know any. I, who needed saving, right? They knew. They knew they were a mess. They knew they had shame. They knew they had failure. They knew they had rejection. And they knew. They knew. And I want to pause right here because I think there's some of you right here today that you know. You know. You know you have shame. You know you have failure. You know you have rejection. And you know you need saving. Maybe for some of you, you've got an addiction. It's a drug addiction, an alcohol addiction, a prescription medication addiction, whatever it is. But it's got a grip on you. It's stronger than you are. And you know you need a Savior. Maybe for some of you, it's what you look at with your eyes. It's what you look at with your eyes. It's what you look at in your mind. In the quiet of night, no one else knows. But you know it's got a grip on you. And you know you need a Savior. Maybe for some of you, your marriage is a mess, and you're hanging on by a thread, and you've experienced the rejection, or you experience the hurt, and you say, I need a Savior. God, I'm desperate for you to come in and change my life. Maybe for you, it's some of your kids, and you got a student that won't obey regardless of what you do. You got an adult child who's just who refused to turn, refused to obey, regardless of what you do, and you're like, God, help me. They need a savior. Come and have your way in their life. Maybe for you, again, it's a financial mess. And as hard as you try, as hard as you try, you've exhausted every avenue. You've exhausted every possible potential, and you're at a mess. And you know, if God doesn't come through, that you're going to be in a difficult situation. Maybe for you, some of you, you just say, my life is a mess. <laughs> my life is a mess. Hey, God, I can't go on. God, I don't want to go on. I can't do this anymore. I need a Savior. 
I need a mess. And the good news is that if that is you today, and you are in a situation where you're like, I can't go on. I need a savior. I need a hope in my life. I want you to hear these words. Do not be afraid. Today, a savior has been born. Do not be afraid. Today, a Savior has been born. Today, God did not come in spite of our messes. He came because of our mess. He came to set his people free. And I don't know if some of you want to get excited, but that is really good news this morning. That is really good news. He did not come in spite of our mess. He came to save us from our sins. Do not be afraid. Today, a Savior has been born. You know, um, about 10, 12 years ago, some of you know this, I had a brother pass away. And uh, his name was Chris. He had Down syndrome. And I'll never forget that first Christmas morning uh, without my brother. You know, when Chris was alive, he would always uh, be the first one up. And the first thing he would do is he would run into my room and wake me up too, right? Jump on my bed and wake me up and all sorts of things. As a kid, I thought that was pretty cool. As a teen, and not so cool. As a sleep-deprived college student, I just didn't care, right? Whatever you want to do, Chris, that's fine. But the first Christmas without Chris, I woke up on that particular morning, and it was quiet. It was silent. It was still. And that moment right there was probably one of the lowest moments of my life. I cried uncontrollably. I'm a 22-year-old man at that age, and I cried like a baby in my pillow because there's no Chris, no, no hope, no life. What I would do to just give one more chance to have Chris come and wake me up again, what I would do for just one more opportunity to have him come into my life. And it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit showed up to me. And and I don't understand it. I I can't always explain it. But it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit came. It wasn't a vision. It it was real, but it wasn't uh, something that can be explained. And he came to me and he said these four words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because today salvation has come. You see, I I, I, I miss my brother. More than anything else in the world, I desired to have him back. But he said to me, your time has come. Your brother, his work is done. His work is finished. You'll see him again one day. But it's your time now. Do not be afraid. It was at that moment that darkest moment of my life, that deepest need of my life, the Holy Spirit shone through. And I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of messes you bring with you. I don't know what kind of pains you bring with you. I don't know what kind of hurts you bring with you. But I do know the one who does. And I know that he holds them in his hands. And he says, do not be afraid because today a Savior has been born. For those of you who need hope, he is that hope. For those of you who need life, 
He is that life. For those of you who need victory, he is that victory. He did not come in spite of our messes. He came because of our messes. And he came to set his people free. Do not be afraid. Because today, a Savior has been born to you. Father, we're in your presence today. Come and have your way in our hearts. You know our messes. You know our hearts. You know all the things that we bring with us today. But we ask, Lord, that you would cure us, that you would heal us, you would make us clean. As you continue to pray today, uh, there may be some of you here that uh, you know exactly what it is uh, that, uh, that you're dealing with in life. You know exactly what it is that, 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 you've, uh, that you're walking through, the pains, the problems, the heart, the, the, the rejection, the hurt, uh, all of it has come along. But I don't know about you, but there might be some of you here today who want to take Jesus at his word. Who want to take Jesus at his word and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the pain, of the shame, of the rejection, of the fears, of the doubt. Do not be afraid. And there might be some of you here today who say, that's it. I trust him. It doesn't make any sense. I can't explain it, but I trust my Savior. And if that's you today and that's your prayer, I trust you. God, do not be afraid. I trust you. If that's your prayer, would you just lift up your hand right now? Just lift up your hand right now. Hands up everywhere. God, I know you know our hearts. I know you see our hands. I know, Lord, the way that you've responded. I pray today that your Holy Spirit would lead us would guide us. You know our fears. You know where we're afraid. You know, Lord, that we're afraid of shame. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. But today, God, we've come before you today, and you've said, do not be afraid. We're trusting you at your word. <laughs> it's, it, it, when the enemy tries to come in, when the enemy tries to cause fear, when the enemy tries to cause doubt, we will say, do not be afraid. Because today, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. He is the Lord. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your forgiveness. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. There may be many of you here today, as we continue to pray, that you know exactly what the shepherds were feeling. You know exactly what they were feeling. You know what it was like when the glory of the Lord shone around, and, and, and you're saying to yourself, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. God, I, I, don't, I don't know. God, don't call me home today. Don't, don't come back because, I, you know what? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And you feel it in your heart. And if that's you today, and you've got this sense in your heart that you're not ready, I want you to hear these words again. Do not be afraid, because today, salvation has come. And maybe some of you are saying, how can this be? How can this be? My God, my God who, who, who loves me, my God who saves me, my God who, who, who redeems me, how can this be? After all I've done, after all I've hurt, after all my pain, how could God save me? And the answer is simple. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
But the good news is that you didn't deserve it. None of us did. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't deserve it. But Jesus, out of his great love for us, came and lived amongst us and came and suffered on our behalf and came and died on our behalf. And so he came and rose to new life. And that new life is available to us all. And there might be some of you here today who say, you know what, God, that's it. That's it. I, I, I don't know if this is too good to be true, but if it's too good, if I can't, ha- if I, if I, if I cannot, if, if I, if I can't uh, embrace it, then I'm lost forever. And, and you say, God, this is too good to pass up. It's too good to pass up. I need hope. I need a savior. I need a forgiveness. And today salvation has come. And there might be some of you here today who say, this is your moment. This is your day. Today is the day of your salvation. No more fear. No more hope. No more dying. No more being afraid. Do not be afraid because today salvation has come. If that is your prayer today, you say, God, don't be afraid. God, I I won't be afraid anymore. I trust you with my heart, with my soul, with my life. I'm all yours. I am all yours. Whatever you want, God, I'm in. I am yours. Take me, use me, fill me, do anything you want with me. I am yours. If that is your prayer today, God, I am yours. Would you lift up your hand right now? Lift up your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All you guys down here, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Who else? Lift them up. Leave them up. Let me see them. Yes, God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, God. Who else? Yes, I see that hand up there at the balcony. I see that hand. Praise God. Who else? God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Praise God. Praise God. At First Church, everybody prays together. Nobody prays alone as everyone enters into the kingdom of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I need your forgiveness. My life is a mess. But you can clean me up. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. You rose so I could be set free. Forgive me of my sins. Clean up my mess. From this day forward, I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you let out a shout of praise to God today for new life entering into the kingdom of God?